we find the young man, his name is Thomas, and a lot of people call him Doubting Thomas. You might know him as Doubting Thomas, but Thomas wasn't a doubter. In fact, I think he gets a really bad rap, because the truth is Thomas wasn't a doubter. Thomas was a believer. In fact, the Bible tells us that Thomas was willing to leave everything to follow Jesus. Jesus said, come follow me, and immediately Thomas left what he was doing, and he went and followed the Lord. That takes faith. That takes courage. That takes an understanding that I'm, I'm willing to give up my very life so that I can follow Christ. Why? Because it was dangerous to follow Jesus. It's still dangerous today to follow Jesus. But in those days, it was really dangerous to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Thomas was a believer. He would have never done that. He would have never obeyed the voice of the Spirit unless he was a person of faith. In fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter 11, when Jesus was going to pray for Lazarus, the Bible says that he waited four days and then he said to his disciples, let's go and let's pray for Lazarus because he's asleep but he's going to awake. But, but Thomas knew that there was danger in Bethany that the, the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus, that the Romans wanted to kill Jesus. And as a result, Thomas says to his disciples, to the other disciples, he said, let us go. Listen to what he said. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we might die with him. That's faith. When you're willing to die for your faith, that's true faith. Listen to me. Thomas was a person of faith. But Thomas's faith is about to be tested like never before. Now Jesus is arrested. Now Jesus is beaten. He's whipped and he's hung on the cross. And he dies on the cross and they take his body down from the cross and they put it in a borrowed tomb. And that tomb, the tomb of Jesus, was not only the resting place for Jesus' body, but it also becomes the resting place for Thomas' faith. And if Thomas' faith is ever going to survive, it will need a reawakening. Look again, if you would, to John chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples are in the house, and Thomas now is with them. Something draws Thomas back to the upper room. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach out, and stop doubting, and start believing. And like Thomas, every one of us will have to face a death blow to our faith sometime in our life. For some of us, it will come in the form of the fiery trials of our life. In fact, James says in James chapter 1, consider it pure joy when you encounter all kinds of trials of your faith. He said when you go into the fire, he said understand that, that, that your trial in your life is actually there to make you stronger and equip you to be a person of great endurance. Look if you would to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 2. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing, everybody say the testing. The testing of your faith develops perseverance. The disciple Peter, who tells us that we have a living hope, says this. Notice what he says in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Turn with me if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I'll wait. And Peter declares, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given you new life. And you have entered into a living hope through the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's through the resurrection that we have hope now. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Who through faith, everybody say through faith. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer all kinds of grief and trials. These have come, this is what it says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined, everybody say refined, refined by the fire, may be proved genuine, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ is revealed. So Peter says we've got to go through the fire. Why? Because our faith needs to be refined. And for some of us, we're in this room today, and the truth is we have some fiery trials in our life, and it will come in the form of unanswered prayer or the unfulfilled dreams that you've been praying for in your life. You've been praying, God, this is my dream, this is my vision, but it hasn't happened yet. And as a result of that, your faith has taken a death blow. Or perhaps for some of us, it's the heartache of pain and rejection because somebody left you. Maybe you were married and now you've gone through a bitter divorce and you feel, you feel dejected, you feel rejected. And as a result of that, your faith has taken a blow. For some of us, maybe it came in the form of a loved one who passed on and went on to heaven. And death came knocking on their door. And as a result of that, it's left you wavering in your faith, shaky in your faith. And now there seems to be no comforting answers for your weakening faith because your faith is hanging by a thread. For some of us, it'll be the unanswered questions that we have because somebody who said that they were wise, perhaps maybe a, a psychology, psychology teacher or whoever it might be in your college and you're a young person and they, they gave you half-truths or half-facts and, and now they've told you that the resurrection never happened or, or, or Christ was never a historical figure and as a result of that you're shaken in your faith because you have listened to half-truths, you haven't listened to the whole truth and as a result of that you're questioning your faith or maybe your faith has been neglected by no fault of anyone else but yourself. You just simply have neglected growing in your faith. You just simply got lazy and apathetic about your faith. You simply became too busy and now your faith is at best on survival mode. And the truth is your faith needs a resurrection this morning. Your faith needs a new awakening. Your faith needs new life. It seems like it's dead. But just like Thomas, I believe that you can once again experience a reawakening of true faith. I'm talking about God-sized faith. God wants to awaken in you a newfound, powerful, life-altering, life-changing faith that will be able to capture the very essence of who God is. Now the truth is, in this room, most of us have saving faith. You came to the Lord, and you gave your life to the Lord, and you're pretty sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven. 
But did you know that God has a greater faith for you? Not only just to save you, but to keep you strong, to give you vision for the future. The Bible says, eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him. God wants to instill in your heart a faith vision so that you can see great things in your life. Not just, just to get saved and hang on there until you get to heaven, but God wants you to live a new life, a life in which you believe with all your heart that you can see the mountains in your life removed. And everyone has a different mountain in their life. Some of us have the mountain of sickness. Some of us have a mountain of bills that are piling up in our life. And we don't know how we're going to get through this situation in our life. Some of us have marital issues in our life. And it's a big mountain. And you don't know how you're going to climb that mountain. Friend, you don't have to climb the mountain. You have to speak to the mountain and tell it to be removed. Come on, somebody. Say amen. We believe that if we would believe that we would see the glory of God. Jesus says to Martha, all you have to do is engage your faith, Martha. All you have to do is believe. And if you believe, you would see the glory of God. How many of you in this room, you really want to see the glory of God? You want to see a God high and lifted up. You want to see God heal the sick. You want to see God deliver the drug addict. You want to see God do something new in your life. You want to see a big God, a powerful God. Well, the Bible says if you believe, you would see the glory of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus said, if you would believe, all things are possible. He said, all things are possible to them that believe. He said, if we ask anything and we believe that the things we ask for will come to pass, it shall happen. Remember, last week, Paul the Apostle is praying for the church at Ephesus. And what does he say? He says, I pray that the eyes of your faith would be open, that your faith eyes would see things that you've never seen before. Listen what he says in Ephesians. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He said, I keep on asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, the glo everybody say glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your faith, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope. There it is, hope awakening to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saint and his great power for us who believe. Notice what he said. I pray that your eyes would be open so that you might know the power that is available to those that believe. Listen to me. Look at me. Resurrection power. God-sized power. God-sized miracles only happen for those people who are willing to stop doubting and start believing. Somebody say amen. Listen to me. God reserves God-sized miracles for people who are willing to go beyond just the faith of salvation and go to a place where they believe every day of their life, God can do something new. God can do something fresh. God can do something powerful in your life. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. God-sized miracles are only reserved for those who are willing to take God at his word and believe. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. My favorite scripture in the whole book of Mark. 
Jesus says, if you're going to see God-sized miracles in your life, then you've got to have faith in God. The object of our faith is in God. Somebody say amen. It's not in the pastor, but it's in the master. Hallelujah. It's not in ourselves, but it's beyond ourselves. It's to a place where we recognize that God, he's able to do what he said he would do. Notice what he says. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, everybody say to the mountain. Go throw yourself into the sea and does not what? Doubt in his heart, but what? But believes. You see, doubt is the enemy of belief. In, in, in some ways, doubt really isn't the enemy of belief. It's the beginning of faith. It's the beginning of belief. We're all going to doubt. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. We're all going to succumb at times to the temptation to doubt God's word. But he says, but if you believe, that what he says will happen, it will be done. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. That's the key. Faith is the key that unlocks the door to miracles in your life. He said, whatever you believe, he said, you will receive it. It will be yours. In other words, active faith. Believing God in the present tense can result in amazing things. Faith, true faith, active Present tense faith unlocks resurrection power in our life. True faith, faith that is in the present tense, actually unlocks miracle moments in our future. How many of you want a miracle moment in your future? You just, you're believing for a miracle moment. I love when God surprises me. Now, to be honest with you, every one of us in this room, we struggle with doubt. We're walking into the hospital room and somebody's been given a death sentence and man, I'm telling you, all that doubt starts to flood our soul, but we need to say, I refuse to doubt and I will believe God's word. If he said by his stripes we were healed, then I will believe that. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not easy. It's not easy to believe, but God will give us the strength to believe because faith does not originate with us. It originates with God. It is a gift. It is a seed that God places in every one of our lives. And we need to ask God to activate that faith. Listen to me. If there's one truth that is emphasized over and over again in the Bible, it is the power of faith in the believer's life. Jesus tells people over and over again, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has opened your blind eyes. Your faith has brought deliverance in your life. Your faith has opened the way for me to heal your body. Your faith is the key that moves the mountains in your life. Nothing, listen to me, nothing is more important to God than your faith. In fact, I want you to get out your smartphone right now and put it on Facebook and you can get the credit for it. Nothing is more important to God than your faith. Because faith is the key to everything in your life. You cannot be saved without faith. You cannot have eternal life without faith. You cannot be pleasing to God without faith. You cannot receive from God without faith. And so your faith is the most important thing. The enemy knows that and he's going to attack your faith. God knows that and he's going to do everything he can to get your faith to go deeper. Hallelujah. God's going to put it in the fire. God's going to test it. God's going to allow it to be beaten up a little bit because he wants it to come out as pure gold. Somebody say amen. Nothing is more important to you. Nothing is more important to God than your faith. Hebrews 11 declares, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain for what we do not see. Come on, somebody. Faith awakening, a hope awakening. But what is biblical faith? What is biblical faith? You see, I believe there, there are a lot of Christians that are not really living in biblical faith. 
Their faith or their so-called faith is hoping. They're hoping that God is going to do a miracle. They're hoping that they're going to go to heaven. They're hoping that God's going to be true to his word. You see, faith goes far beyond hope. Faith goes far beyond wishing. St. Augustine said this one time. Listen to me. Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of that faith is to see what we believe. Faith is to believe what we cannot see. And the reward of that faith is to see what we believe. Martin Luther defined faith as living. Faith is not dead, but it's creative. Faith creates all kinds of opportunities in our life. Faith creates miracles. Faith creates godlike events and moments in our life. Faith is active. Faith doesn't sit around and wait for things to happen. Faith makes things happen. Come on, somebody. And faith is powerful because it moves mountains in our life. So what is the biblical definition of faith? Now, faith is the substance of the things we hope for and the evidence of things not seen. In fact, Hebrews 11 gives us the best definition of faith. Faith is both substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that already exist. Listen to me. It's not something that doesn't already exist. You see, some of us, we just can't see it yet. We don't believe it yet, but it's really there. Why? Because faith is substance. The Greek word for substance means to stand under. It means to, 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 to undergird. And the derived meaning of this is that faith is the basic element or essence, the actual reality and the substance of things that we're hoping for. Herbert Freeman once said, it is a condition of the human heart that is a, as real to God as the thing we ask for will be to us when we receive it. Wow. It is the exact image of the thing that we're asking for. When we receive what we have prayed for, the image is replaced with reality. I want you to close your eyes right now. Please close your eyes. Because vision is a picture in our mind of a preferable future. And so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think for a few moments, what are the things that you're believing for? What are the things that you're hoping for? Can you see with your, your, your eyes today, with the eyes of your heart, that child that you've been praying for, that he will come back to the Lord? Can you see with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of vision, that healing that you've been praying for? That limp in your side going away so that you can walk straight up and healed by the power of God? Can you see, can you envision those people that you love in your life coming into the kingdom of God? Can you envision, can you see that you're going to be out of debt? That's vision, my friend. And vision is a picture of a preferable future. That is hope. You put vision and hope together, it equals faith. Glory to God. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. Open your eyes, and if somebody still has their eyes closed, hit them. Tell them it's too good and you're falling asleep. Faith is not only substance, but faith is evidence. Listen to me. Let me say that again. Faith is not only substance. It isn't, it isn't that it's not there. It's really there. Listen to me. Look at me. Your miracle is already there. Your miracle is already there. Your healing is already there. 
Your children are already in the kingdom. Why? Because the word of God tells us by his stripes we were healed. If I love the Lord and I serve the Lord, my family will serve the Lord as well. The word of God doesn't return void. Our miracle is already there. God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. The surplus is there for you. Come on, somebody. It's there. Your miracle is there. You need to claim it. Glory to God. You need to go and get it. Why? Because it's already there. It's substance. Glory to God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But it's also evidence. The Greek word for evidence means conviction. It means there is an inner conviction in your heart that drives you on to believe God. That when you don't see it, when you pray and you don't see it right away, you're going to keep on asking, you're going to keep on seeking, and you're going to start knocking. Why? Because you know that God is faithful and he will give you that which you need. He might not give it in your time. He might not give it your way, but he's always going to come through. Somebody say amen. John writes it this way in 1 John chapter 5. And this is the conviction. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. There it is. It's conviction. It's deep down in our heart, absolute confidence that God is true to his word. You see, the existence of the God kind of faith in the human heart is the evidence that what we have prayed for really actually exists. Listen to me. We can't see it. We can't feel it at times. But it's as true as the breath that you breathe. It is true as the day that you were born. It's really there. You have to see it. You have to believe it. It's already there. Your son is already serving the Lord. You're already healed of your diseases. Glory to God. Your miracle is already there. Faith is not based on human feeling, but rather it is based squarely on the fact that God said it. And if God said it, we can believe it. We can trust in it because his character is backing up what he said. Faith is the evidence of the things that we do not see. But faith goes beyond that. Faith, faith is trust in action. And the word of God says that we're to trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will make our path straight. And the truth is we need to learn how to trust God and trusting God means that whatever you have in your hands, you turn your palms down and you give it to the Lord. You place it in his hands. Lord, I trust you with this relationship, so I'm going to do it right. Lord, I trust you with my finances, so I'm going to tithe because I know, Lord God, that you're going to provide for me. But faith is trust in action. You see, trust is a place of peace. Trust is a place when we go, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to be at peace. But faith takes it to the next step. Faith becomes an action word. Faith is a verb. Faith just doesn't sit there and wait. Faith believes that God is true to his word and we will be obedient to God's word. In Hebrews chapter 11, this is what the ancients, the Bible says, were commended for. In other words, God commended all the men and women for one thing, that their faith caused them to love God more than their own life, that their faith caused them to obey God and do exactly what God told them to do, even when they didn't understand why God was telling them to do it, that their faith caused them to give up everything for the gospel. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, by faith, Abel presented a good sacrifice by faith Noah kept on building the ark do you know how long Noah built that ark for a hundred years they laughed at him they they mocked him 
They criticized him, but he kept on building the ark. And friend, I want you to know that you need to keep on building the ark for your miracle. Hallelujah. No matter what it is, you keep on being obedient to God and you keep on nailing those nails into that wood and you keep on saying, God, by faith, I know that you're going to do the very thing that you called me to do. I'm going to continue to build the ark because one day it's going to be a reality. Somebody say amen. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac to be sacrificed. Wow, that takes faith. Notice every one of these people, they did something with their faith. It wasn't an inactive faith, but it was an action word. By faith, Moses left. By faith, the disciples, they loved God more than their own life, and they were willing to give their life for the gospel. They laid, they actively laid down their life for the gospel. Paul tells us the just shall live by faith. Listen to me, look at me right now. The just shall live by faith. He said every born-again believer, every disciple must live a life of faith. Not doubt, but faith. Not hoping, but faith. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 11 says it is impossible to please God without faith. Now listen to me. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 tells us that we were created for his pleasure. Listen to me. You were created for God's pleasure. I know that we believe that we created God for our pleasure. But the truth is that God has created us for his pleasure. That he wants to delight in us. That he wants to take pleasure in our life. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. There it is. So God created you for his pleasure. But you can't be pleasing to God without faith. Let's put that together. Hebrews 11, chapter, 11 verse 6, and Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. We've been created for his pleasure. We cannot bring pleasure to God without living a life of faith. Doubt does not bring pleasure to God. And the Bible says whatever we do, it has to all be in faith. Because if, if it's not with faith, then it's sin to God. So I want you to know nothing is more important to God than your faith. And nothing, listen to me, will be attacked more by Satan than our faith. And Thomas, his faith was attacked. Why? Because his faith was his greatest asset. And in order for that asset to grow, to become godlike faith, it had to go through the fire. By faith, Thomas would reach out and do greater things than he'd ever did before the cross and the resurrection. You know, many Indians believe that Thomas went to India and he preached the gospel there. And as a result of that, there are hundreds of millions of, of, of Indians and people around the world that are serving the Lord because by faith, Thomas, he took his newfound, new awakened faith and he began to do something with it. But first, his faith would be tested and tried by the fire. My friend, your faith will be tested by the fire. Abraham's faith had to go through the fire. Your faith will be tried by the fire of persecution. The early disciples were persecuted. Your faith will be attacked by the enemy. And your faith will be threatened by the loss of life. And it will threaten your very existence when it comes to believing in God. So what do you do? What do you do when your faith is almost dead? Come on. I want you, some of you to be honest in this place. And say to me, Pastor Steve, I haven't used my faith in a long time. My faith is almost dead. What do you do when your faith has been dealt a, a death blow? Your faith has been rocked. Your faith has been shattered by the cruel situations of life. And so often leave us stunned and confused. Thomas was stunned. 
and confused. When they hung Jesus on the cross, Thomas was stunned and confused. When they took his body and they put it in the borrowed tomb, Thomas was stunned and confused. The truth is, like Thomas, all of us will have to face doubt in our life. Sometimes there will be more questions than answers in our life. Sometimes there'll be just silence from God. Sometimes there'll just be an empty tomb filled with shattered faith. And doubt, though, can turn into resurrection faith. Doubt can become the impetus that leads us to Jesus. Doubt can become the catalyst to power in our life. In fact, the Bible is filled with great men who had to go through the tunnel of doubt so that they can learn how to be people of great faith. Joseph had to be in the pit to learn how to trust God and have great faith. Moses had to go through the pit to go through a place of doubt and unbelief to get to the other side. Abraham, Elijah, John the Baptist, and Thomas had to face all kinds of doubts in their lives because that was the place in which God wanted to take them to a newfound faith. My friend, it's human. Listen to me. It is human to doubt. We all go through doubt. How many of us in this room, you struggle with doubt from time to time? Let me see your hands. The rest of you, you're lying. And someone once said, it is a dull man who always is sure, and the sure man is always dull. Doubt is not the opposite of faith, someone said, but it is the element that leads us to faith. But this morning, I believe that God wants you and I to experience a reawakening of faith. Listen to me. I believe that God wants every single person in this room to experience a deeper faith in their life. First, I want to talk to you that don't know the Lord at all. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord before in your whole entire life. You have never come to this altar. You have never prayed a prayer to invite Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to tell you something. That Christ is inviting you right now. That's a now faith. That you don't wait for tomorrow, but you do it now. The truth is you've been circling around, but you're not committed. You've been non-committed. You've been coming to church, but you've never committed your life to Jesus. And Jesus says to you right now, it's time to make a commitment. It's time to ac accept Christ into your life. Because the truth of the matter is, is, it is by grace that you are saved. Not by works, but it's through faith. And so God will give you that faith right now. Maybe you say, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need that faith. God will give you that faith to be able to reach out to Him so that you can experience a newfound faith in your life. And in a few moments, I'm going to invite all of us in this place to enter into a new place of newfound faith. But I want to talk to those people that are Christians today. I want to talk to people that have already given their lives to Christ. In fact, let me ask you a question. Look at me right now. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you launched out in faith and really believed God for a miracle in your life? When's the last time you really put your faith on the line and trusted God for something bigger than yourself? When's the last time you gave something away?
because you knew somebody needed what you had and you believe God Lord I don't know God how you're gonna supply my needs God but somebody else needs it more than me and I'm gonna give it away when's the last time you said God I'm gonna trust you God and I'm gonna believe God I don't know how you're gonna do it I don't know when you're gonna do it God but I'm, I'm, I'm launching out in faith I'm giving you this seed of faith God and I'm gonna believe God that you're true to your word God when's the last time you said God whatever it takes God I'll go wherever you want me to go I'll do whatever you want me to do when's the last time you said I'm trusting you God with all my heart and all my life when's the last time you really believed God and took a leap of faith when's the last time you went out of your way to live an adventurous life of a radical believer of the Lord Jesus Christ you see the truth is if you and I are not living in faith right now then that's not faith if you and I are not believing God for bigger things today than we saw yesterday then we're not living in faith if you and I are not believing God praying with faith and standing on God's Word for our loved ones right now then we need a resurrection of our faith if we're not believing God for revival in our church for revival in our country for revival in our community or revival in our lives then we need a resurrection of faith in fact James says it this way living faith always reaches out to help somebody else living faith always is going out on the limb and trusting God for things that we don't know how he's gonna do it or when he's gonna do it but we, we believe he's gonna do it living faith is always a life of surrender to God it's a dynamic faith living faith is productive living faith is active living faith is powerful anything other than that needs a faith awakening living faith is seeing people come to Christ through our living testimony living faith is seeing God work in our life today to bless other people living faith is seeing God's awesome miraculous provision in our life today living faith is seeing the hand of God work in our life on a daily basis anything other than that my friend needs a faith resurrection living faith is sure that God will do the very thing that he promised living faith is confident it is bold it is a bold prayer because we know that if we're obedient God will come through only the Bible says only those who live by faith can please the Lord Dietrich Bonhoeffer who gave his life for the Lord said only he who believes is obedient and only he who is obedient believes living faith is sacrificial living faith expects God to do greater things than we've seen before why because we believe that our faith is from present to future anything that is not motivated by faith is sin living faith says my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory today living faith says if I pray anything according to the will of God anything that I request according to his will I will be confident that God will give it if I seek the answer and I don't get it I'm gonna keep on seeking if I keep on asking and he doesn't give it I'm gonna start knocking why because I believe that living faith is today living faith is new every day living faith is new every morning living faith is not old manner it's not old bread it's not talking about past miracles that we had in our life yesterday it's not old wine it's new every day living faith refuses to panic and trust the Lord anything friend other than that is not real faith and that needs a faith awakening Hebrews 11 tells us 
that they had faith today. They had a today faith. They had a bold faith. They had a sacrificial faith. They had a daring faith. They had an obedient faith. Listen to me. I don't know about you this morning, but I know that God's calling me to a deeper faith. God's calling me to a deeper place to believe him for things that I've never believed before. God's calling me to trust him like I've never trusted him before. Because if I'm not growing in my faith, then I'm going backwards. If I'm not growing in the faith that God has given me, if I'm not taking that seed of faith and creating an awakening of God's miracles in my life, then I'm going backwards. God says it's time to go deeper in our faith. It's time to go into uncharted territories of faith. It's time to pray for courageous faith. I want you to bow your heads right now. I want to pray for you. You see, fear had locked Thomas away. Thomas was filled with doubt and fear. And he said, unless I see, I will not believe. And friends, when you get to that place, you're in danger of taking a position of unbelief in your life. You say, Pastor Steve, I want to experience a faith awakening in my heart, God. Lord, I don't want to be where I was yesterday. And I don't want to be where I am today, tomorrow. My faith has been stale for quite a while, Pastor Steve. My faith is stagnant. It's not growing. It's cold. It's old. And my faith is not being stretched. It needs a jump start. It needs a resurrection. My friend, then you need to do what Thomas did. If your faith needs a resurrection, then you need to do the same exact thing that Thomas did. What did Thomas do? The Bible says that Thomas went back to the upper room. He could have ran away from the upper room, but he went back to the starting line. He went back to the place where he saw the living Savior. He went back to the place where he was able to talk to Jesus. He went back to the upper room. He recognized, he realized that Jesus was in the upper room. And he says, this is my body that is broken. This is my blood that is shed. And he goes back to the upper room and he says, Lord, I want to go back to my first love. Friend, you can't have resurrection power. You can't have resurrection faith. And you can't see God-sized miracles until you learn how to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Until you return back to your first love. And he went back to the upper room. Something drew him back to God. Something drew him back to that upper room where he experienced the power of God. I don't know when you experienced the power of God in your life. Maybe it was 10 years ago. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was yesterday. But today I'm telling you that you need to reach back out and say, God, I'm coming back to you, Jesus. Restore my first love God restore my love for you God so that that would become an awakening of faith in my spirit the second thing Thomas did was he reached out his hand look at me right now Jesus said to Thomas when he appeared to Thomas Thomas reach out your hand and touch me reach out your hand take your finger and put it into my nail scarred hand give me your hand give me your hand Thomas and feel my side reach out to me and you know what happened when Thomas reached out to Jesus he experienced a faith awakening and here this morning I'm gonna ask you to reach out to Jesus again say God I know that you're a merciful God and God I've been backslidden God my faith is stale it's old it's dry but here I am today God give me a faith awakening